Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. All right, everyone, welcome to the Deep Dive podcast. I'm excited for this one. It is the free agency preview. Free agency, of course, starting on Wednesday, uh, which is just in a couple days. The Kraken poised to be quite aggressive, if you believe what Ron Francis has said, uh, going into free agency. Uh, so we'll see what's going on there. Dylan, are you excited for free, agent- for free agency? And I can see the background behind you it looks a little different than usual. Yeah, you know, up here in uh, Gig Harbor, Washington at the grandparents' house. So, you know, we'll see if the uh, the camera holds up for me for the video portion of this podcast um but uh yeah i'm pretty excited for for free agency you know some of the names that we've been talking about for a while with the kraken maybe targeting coming off the board as they re-sign with their current teams but as i understand it there might also be some additional players available now after today that we can talk about That's right. Today was the qualifying offer deadline for restricted free agents, and a surprising amount of RFAs were not qualified uh, by their teams. I I know there were certainly some surprises. Ilya Samsonov in Washington, uh, the Stroms in Chicago, some guys that uh, still can be very productive players. But the big crack in news, of course, is uh, their announcement as far as which RFAs uh, will be qualified and which will not. And I know this will disappoint, uh, no doubt, some Kraken fans here. So the Kraken issued qualifying offers to Morgan Geeky, Cole Lind, Alexander True, Carson Twarinski, and Kale Flurry. Now, those not receiving qualifying offers were Ryan Donato, Hayden Flurry, Dennis Chalowski, and Daniel Sprong. So Ryan Donato, of course, probably the biggest name on that list. A lot of Kraken fans, I'm sure, were very much hoping that Donato would be back for next season and in their plans. While that's still not out of the cards entirely, he's free to sign another deal with the Kraken. Uh, He will become an unrestricted free agent in a couple days, and uh, it's definitely looking less likely that he will be in Seattle next season. Yeah, that one, it was surprising. Again, like all season since really the first game of the season, we had been talking about him being this guy that like, oh, wow, maybe he's finally found his forever home in Seattle. Uh, After bouncing around multiple spots before, he kind of seemed like he was on his way out of the league. And we were really excited by that. Uh, He was kind of quickly became a fan favorite. All of those big moments, franchise firsts and stuff that he was accumulating for the team. And we were, you know, very, very early on talking about, okay, we got to extend this kid. But it was always like, well, they tend not to like to negotiate during the season. We'll, we'll wait till the off season. But it, it just seemed like such a natural fit. He was playing so well here. He seemed to get along with everybody. The fans really enjoyed him. The only thing I can think of is that they just couldn't come to, you know, terms on money. Like, that's mm-hmm. the only thing I could think of is that he wanted a, a longer ex- that either Ron Francis wasn't willing to give him or they were just too far apart in what the dollar figure was. Like, you know, Donato might really be trying to turn this, you know, one good season into that kind of life-changing contract that all are kind of chasing. I don't know that it's realistic for that season, but that's the only thing I could think of that's what didn't get done. Yeah, I, I think that could be it. I, I think... Also, likely, all of these restricted free agents that the Kraken had uh, were arbitration eligible. 
So that also plays a pretty big factor. All of them had Arbrights. And so with Ryan Donato, even if he does accept that qualifying offer, it's not like the Kraken would only have to give him that. They would potentially have to go to arbitration. You'd get the, that arbitration award from, you know, uh, an independent arbitrator. You don't know what they're going to decide. And uh, the Kraken would either have to kind of accept that. Um, and actually, I don't think they have the option to walk away at that level of salary unless it's over $4 million or something. So that could have messed them up cap-wise as well. I think that may have scared them off. Um, but still, I'm surprised to see Donato not be qualified. He really did everything he could have possibly done to make a positive impression last season. Um, but I guess it does also fit with the team's plans. If they are going to be really aggressive signing forwards in free agency, maybe the roster spot just isn't there either. Yeah. Now, that's, looking... That's, again, the only thing... Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, that's, that's it. That's all I can okay. think of is just that it's... It doesn't fit in their grand plan. Yeah. Now, looking at some of these other players who were not qualified, Hayden Fleury's name also stands out. He was uh, more of a regular last season. Uh, that His minimum qualifying offer would have had to have been over $1.5 million. So I wasn't surprised to see him not go qualified. Uh, but, you know, is there anything more to that? What do you think? Good idea there, Dylan? Yeah, I think so. I just don't feel like this was going to be a long-term for him um at times to to get playing time uh it always was kind of a struggle as to you know to see who he was going to be paired with uh defensively with the kind of existing guys that they had um i just it, it kind of felt like certainly as the season went on this was not going to be a long-term relationship between team and player yeah, it certainly had that feeling, and especially I, I think the last nail in the coffin, unfortunately, was just uh, the, his injury, too, at the end of the season, getting a concussion when uh, there would have been a lot more playing time available for him, and unfortunately, uh, just not in the cards for Hayden Fleury, so I don't think he'll be coming back. Donato, maybe there's a chance, um, but but Fleury, certainly not. Um so that's it for the Kraken's RFA news. Um, so we've kind of slotted those guys into the roster. So at this point, heading into free agency, Dylan, where's the Kraken roster at? You know, what are things looking like for Seattle? You know, what's the kind of the current state of the team? Well, the current state of the team is that with the couple exceptions that we just talked about, it's basically the same team that we're going to see, right? Um, looking at those, bringing back some of the guys that they qualified, let's say that they go ahead, you know, we know they've already signed Kuhlman. Let's say they come to terms with Cole Lind, Morgan Geeky. I think Kale Fleury is going to probably be on the NHL roster um, for this season. Let's just go ahead and assume that he is. Then really you're looking at like 19 guys coming back that we already know about, which, which means there's two roster spots open. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if we're going to say that, Hey, Cole Lind has earned his earned a spot on the NHL roster full time. Kale Fleury has earned a spot on the NHL roster full time. Morgan Geeky, he's going to hang around on the NHL roster. Then we're really only talking about bringing in a couple of players. If one of those happens to be Shane Wright, then one of those spots is you know there's, there's even one less spot. So um, I think free agency. I don't know how aggressive Ron Francis is going to be unless the organization really views some of these guys like Lind, Fleury geeky as more you know kind of like the, the the mccormicks and the trues that we saw from last year where hey they're mostly going to be ahl guys that we just kind of call up when we need someone to plug a hole 
Right. And that's kind of what really is, is the big uh, decision that Ron Francis has to make is how do you view those players? I think no matter what, you probably shouldn't view them as the players that are going to make you a playoff team. Looking at what this team is now, it, it's just not a playoff team. We saw that from last season. And so when you talk about having one or two roster spots open, you have to decide, do you want to fill those with guys who you think can turn this into a playoff team? Uh, or do you want to kind of leave it more to chance? And that's something that Ron Francis has uh, had, I, I think now we can probably call it mixed messages about, uh, given that he <laughs> talked about wanting to be aggressive in free agency and the goal being to make the playoffs next season, specifically next season, uh, that kind of talk around the trade deadline at the end of the season. But when we talked to him before the uh, NHL entry draft, it sounded like he kind of backed off of that talk a little bit, talked about how important it is to have all these draft picks, to build that cupboard of prospects, uh, kind of shied away from the talk about using those uh, draft picks as ammunition to go get guys in trades. And at the end of the day, he ended up using all those draft picks. He traded a couple of them to, to trade up, but didn't end up acquiring any players with that. So kind of left us with this question of how aggressive are they going to be? Because free agency, this is really the last part of the offseason. If you're not aggressive now and getting guys, that's it. This is kind of the roster that you're left with more or less. So Dylan... I guess I'll ask you, what do you think is in Ron Francis's mind? What kind of direction do you think he's going to take? Is he going to be as aggressive as he may have hinted earlier on? Or is he kind of backing off of that? Uh, and does Shane Wright have anything to do with that? I think, I think Shane Wright kind of threw a wrench in the works uh, for the plan. I really do because of the potential for him to be ready to play this year and what it means long-term for the franchise. You have your two cornerstone centermen. Right, these these two pillars of your lineup that we know are going to be there for seven, eight, ten plus years, and at some point, assuming you know Maddie's already looked very good at the NHL level, assuming Shane Wright is as advertised, you're going to have to pay those guys at some point, and so you do have to have kind of a long-term outlook looking at them. You want to assume the best, and that means that these guys are going to be paid a lot, right? Like there's a good chance yep. if, you know, Matty Beniers turns into a superstar that we think he is and he scores at basically a point per game, you know, pace and he continues to be great defensively. He's a true number one center, all that stuff. You're looking at easy, a $10 million cap hit for him, most likely. So you have to kind of start planning ahead for that. And if Shane Wright kind of turns into something similar, you might be looking at like eight and a half, nine for him. So all of a sudden, you got to start planning for those cap hits. You you don't want to go out and spend a bunch of money on a John Klinberg or a, a Johnny Gaudreau right now, not kind of having a plan of, hey, we might, you know, yes, that'll be one big contract to have on the books, but in the future, we know for sure we're going to have two more. And as we've talked about, you know, just look at Toronto. You, It's really hard to exist with three. Like, you can probably make it work with three, but you certainly can't have more than that. So I, I think the addition of Shane Wright just long-term is going to cause them to maybe not throw around as much cash this offseason. And then I think it also adjusts what the roster could even look like this upcoming season. If they want Shane Wright to be at the NHL level and get his feet wet there, then really you're, you're counting this year as more of a developmental year for Maddie and Shane. And mm -hmm. so does it make sense to go heavy in free agency this year or just you know keep the cap space open, go ahead, let the team be bad, but focus on development? and be super aggressive next year 
while you can still take advantage of the few ELC years you'll have left with those guys. So in my opinion, I'd rather the Kraken kind of stay away from things this year because of Shane Wright. I, I, you know, we've talked about I'd bring him in as a third, you know, line center if you can. And I think they should be looking at any major additions through free agency in the in the lens of, hey, we got to pay these guys in a couple of years and those contracts should be focused once we're more ready to compete. I agree with you. I think that would be the wise move is to kind of back off. We talked about this a little bit uh, on uh, the draft podcast where we're, you know, talking about uh, Shane Wright and, and what this does to the Kraken's outlook. Uh, and I think that next season is probably the year to really go for it. I think we kind of agreed on that, but Ron Francis has talked about wanting to compete, wanting to be a playoff team next season. And we kind of, uh, we, we thought that he may be feeling pressure, whether it's from ownership, whether it's from just external factors, really, about having this window where you need to kind of capture fan interest in this city. And there are some non-hockey reasons that you might want to be competitive right away. And even though you have Shane Wright, I don't know that that's gone away completely. I would hope that that would take some pressure off of him. And it, from how he's talking, it sounds like it might have. But uh, I don't know that it's gone completely, and I think he probably uh, wants to at least have a roster that maybe has a chance at competing for a playoff spot. Certainly is better than last year. I think taking a step back and really trying for Connor Bedard and, and having that approach to the offseason just isn't in the cards uh, right now, realistically. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I agree. Ultimately, that's probably, you know, you're right on that. Um I think that the roster is going to naturally be better than it was last year. Like having Matty Beneers for a full season is going to be a big difference. Like there's a reason that they did not have their first three game win streak until he was there. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like he makes that much of a difference. He scored, you know what I mean? Like just his ability to create offense and drive offense for that team was so noticeable and so difference making. I think there's no way that the Grubauer is going to take half a year and just be like the worst goalie in existence again. Like that's yeah. probably not going to happen. Some of those one game losses are going to go the, the, you know, the Kraken's way this year. They had really bad shooting luck. Like there was a lot of contributing factors that caused them to be as bad as they were. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they were a great team, obviously, but I, I do think they were just going to inherently be a little bit better. Um, I, yes, it's, it's possible that they go out. It's just, I don't think Ron Francis is the kind of guy to look at this UFA market now and say, well, there's only like one big splashy forward left in Johnny Gaudreau and I have to compete with you know 10 other teams to get him like the price is going to be so ridiculously high that I think regardless of what pressures he's facing from a hey we need to be better we need to you know give the fans more give season ticket holders more I just think he's not the kind of guy that's going to bend to that pressure mm -hmm. like he, he doesn't like me as that kind of individual through his playing days and everything you know what I mean so I, I think if the number for someone like a Johnny Gaudreau works, he'll do it. But I, I'm just having this feeling that maybe, maybe John Klingberg is the guy. Like that's, I don't want him to be. We'll talk about that later, but yeah. I, I'm kind of feeling like that might be the direction they go is in the, a little slightly cheaper route, but still big enough to, yeah, kind of give people something. That would certainly be in line with how Ron Francis has operated in the past. And, and like you said, we will talk about that a little bit later uh, when we get to the defenseman section uh, of talking about free agents. But um, yeah, I, I've got to agree. I don't think he's going to force anything. If he was uh, 
you know, eager to do that, I think he would have forced a, a Kevin Fiala trade or, uh, yeah. you know, forced a Debrinket trade because he was in a position to get those done. And if he was that desperate, he could have. With the fourth overall pick in tow, he could have gotten those deals done, chose not to, and I think it's for the best. The Kraken ended up with Shane Wright uh, at that spot. So that's kind of the Kraken's outlook on free agency. And I think as we look at the different uh, positions on Ron Francis's wish list here, I think we should try and look at it also from the perspective of, you know, one, if you're if you're not trying to force anything and, and just letting be what it is, but also if, if you do feel that pressure to be aggressive, because I think it's still a possibility and and we mm -hmm. just don't know what he's going for. So I think we'll try and look at it from both of those perspectives. So I think the way we're going to do this is we're going to look at the positions of need on Ron Francis's, I guess, wish list that he talked about at the end of the season. And those positions were top six forward. Top nine forward, uh, puck moving, preferably right-handed defenseman, someone who can quarterback a power play. We've all seen this. We know this is a crack in need. And then adding to that since then is a backup goalie. Now, that wasn't a need going into the offseason. But, of course, with Chris Drieger's injury, they're going to get someone else at the NHL level. Ron Francis basically confirmed that before the draft. So those are the four positions that we're, that we're really going to look at and see where the Kraken could add, who they should add, who they shouldn't, uh, what we think they'll do, and uh, what, what we hope they don't do, that sort of thing. Um, now, before we dive into all of this, because I do want to just get to talking about the players as, as fast as we can, but Dylan, you know this is coming. Uh, I think... There's a public service announcement that we need to get out of the way before talking about free agency. Uh, I've mentioned this in, in some articles that I've done before uh, and a video uh, examining whether the Kraken should sign a Goudreau, Forsberg, Burakovsky, Nachushkin. I looked at those four guys, two of them off the market now. Um, but I, I looked at kind of whether the Kraken should sign different tiers of free agent forwards. And when you run the numbers, when you look at it, free agency is almost always a bad idea. I, I like to bring up a great article by Dom Lecision uh, of The Athletic that he did in 2020, and he looked at 10 years of free agency data from 2010 to 2020, and the results are, are just kind of staggering, and he uses uh, wins, uh, with, you know, which is um, basically like a wins above replacement type stat. It's an all-encompassing player value stat. Um, but he looks at free agent contracts, and I'll just throw a few of these... Uh, a few of these results out here. Um, in that time, teams paid for 844 wins in free agency, actually received 217 wins. Uh, teams only get about a quarter of the value for every dollar they spend in free agency is what that means. Uh, and it happens right away. Teams get only about 28% of expected value in year one of the contract. So it often goes bad immediately. Uh, in fact, only 30.8% of free agents are still in the NHL by the sixth year of their contract. So if you're looking at signing guys to term, uh, chances are they will not even be in the NHL by the time that contract is up. So be very wary of those six plus year deals, uh, no matter how good the player is, uh, even when you get to these top end players that, that, that still holds true. And then he measured surplus value. So, you know, value of wins based on how many wins you pay for. And that out of 468 total contracts signed, just 96 of them, that's only 21%, had a positive surplus value. So 
about a 20% success rate you're looking at uh, when you sign free agents. And a lot of those are depth guys too. Uh, the majority of these successful free agent signings where you do get a surplus are third and fourth liners uh, who are signed to very low cap hit deals where you kind of find these depth guys and you, that you can bring in. Those are the best deals. And so you have to be very careful when signing these high-end free agents. So I think it's just something that everyone should know when going into this. In unrestricted free agency, it is buyer beware. You are not getting these players' peak years. Uh, I know Dylan has talked about how I like to bring up the downward sloping aging curves and, and all of this and be all depressing, but I think it needed to be said. Anything to add to this, Dylan, or, or, or subtract from it if you feel that needs to be done? No, I, I think you, you nailed it pretty good. I mean, the, the numbers don't lie to a certain extent there. You know what I mean? Like, unless you truly think you're getting the outlier... Uh, you kind of have to uh, plan for this and account for it. Exactly. So we'll keep that in mind, and, and I think that'll kind of color some of the discussion over these free agents. So let's start with probably the most exciting of the areas of need for the Kraken. Top six forward. Now, this is no surprise. Anyone who watched the Kraken last season knows that they need goals. They need goal scoring. Do not score enough. Uh, I think everyone knows that. So free agency is a place where you could address that. They chose not to address it via trade uh, for, say, a Kevin Fiala or an Alex Dabrinkit. But there are still a couple pretty good uh, goal scorers on the free agent market this year. And we have to start with the biggest name, the biggest star. Guy coming off a, uh, a pretty darn good season. Um, what is it, 115 points? No, how many points did he get? 100-something. It was like a... Was it... It was a lot. Yeah, it was over a hundred point season. I have I have his numbers for the playoffs and regular season yeah, combined in front of me. Forty goals. Yeah, incredible. So Johnny Gaudreau, uh, there's no doubting the talent, right, Dylan? I mean, he is a legit star winger in the NHL, right? Yeah, he's he's the kind of guy who can do it all. He can be your stud up man. He can be your finisher. Um, he's really good at playing. I would you know I would describe it kind of as loose. Like, he doesn't need a ton of structure around him. In fact, he kind of thrives when there isn't necessarily as much structure because he's he's just a really smart kind of reactive player where he can he can just see where the holes are opening up on a defense and he'll adjust himself in his own game to take advantage of that. And uh, and that's really why he's been so successful despite being smaller. All right, 5'9", 170, what is this? 165 is what he's listed oh at. Oh, cap friendly. He's probably a little heavier than that, but... You know, the fact that with that size, he's able to produce in today's NHL tells you that he's got to be a pretty smart player. Absolutely. And would he be a fit? Just look, ignoring the contract, looking on the ice, would he be a fit for this Kraken team? I, I think he's probably a fit anywhere because of how smart he is. Like he'll he'll learn and adjust to play with whoever you have. But I think especially for the Kraken, as I was kind of you know in armchair GM mode on cap friendly moving things around after these qualifying offers and we knew who was staying, who was going. To me, the glaring kind of hole in this Kraken lineup, at least for the forwards, is at left wing. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they are pretty stacked on the right side now. Maybe, you know, you could argue whether or not there's a lot of talent on that right side, but they got a lot of guys who play on that right side now. They, they do not have a lot of guys playing on the left side, and uh, Johnny Gaudreau would slot in very, very, very nicely alongside Matty Veneers on that first line. Agreed. So I think on the ice, he's a fit. 
Let's talk contract. So Johnny mm-hmm. Gaudreau, if he signs the team other than the Flames, so if he goes to market, he will sign a seven-year deal. I, that's yeah. confirmed. You've got to go max term. That is the max allowed term for these free agents. So he will sign a seven-year deal. And Evolving Wild's projection, and they, they've done a pretty good job with these projections. I, I think they've been pretty spot on, uh, at least early in these off-seasons, with the re-signings, is at a $10.9 million cap hit over seven years. Now, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of cap space. And I have to think, too, if it's the Kraken, not really a, a playoff competitive team, I'd say it's probably a little higher than that. I'd say it probably starts with 11. I wouldn't be surprised to see 11 or 11 half, or 11 and a half being what it takes to get Johnny Gaudreau. So very big ticket. Uh, it's a big commitment over a lot of years. You're getting, uh, let's see, he'll be 29 by the time next season starts. So you're getting, you know, 29 to, well, basically 35, 36 age season. So uh, it's it's some non-peak years, but should be pretty good in those first few years. Let's talk about it. Should the Kraken do it or not? I I wrote a whole article based on this, basically, but uh, should they do it? Well, Here's my only like kind of reasoning to say yes, they should. Outside of the fact that look, he's he's gonna instantly inject your lineup with, you know, more offense than that basically they've ever had, right? And, mm-hmm. and could dream of in its current state. Obviously, the the cap has stayed pretty flat over the last couple of years, but we know it's not going to stay flat forever. And that there are even some people that are projecting pretty aggressive increases in, over the next couple of seasons. If if the Kraken feel, if Ron Francis, if you know the the organizations themselves have access to kind of, you know, really what the financials of the league are, and you think that the cap is going to aggressively go up, and you think we're only a handful of years really from pushing towards a hundred million dollars for a cap for the cap, then I say, yeah, you know what, go ahead and lock in Johnny Gaudreau this offseason. Don't wait until next offseason when we might have the cap go up and everybody goes up. This might be your only, your last time to lock down these players while you can still use a flat cap to your advantage as far as saying, well, look, you, you know, because otherwise, right, free agency in sports, it's all about pushing so that each guy is the new highest paid guy, all that kind of stuff. This is your one chance to kind of take advantage of a somewhat stagnant marketplace. Yeah, I think that you make would, it... The, that's, yeah. literally all, that's literally all I could come up with as a I reason know. to do it, is that, hey, the cap might go up, so it might not look too bad come year you know five six seven right and and that's you know it's a good point uh that's that's a good reason you know you could cite to do it uh i i think you know if if anyone's read my article you know i think that they should not do it uh i I don't think it fits for the core of where the team is at and and helping everyone out and especially you mentioned having to sign maddie beneers and potentially shane wright to these huge deals you're at the risk of of Toronto Maple Leafing yourself uh, with these big deals and, and Gaudreau on the books. Now, I, I'm going to make my argument for why they sh- why they should do it, uh, or, or a reason that they should do it. If the Kraken still intend to go for it this season, which could possibly be the case, we don't know if it is or isn't, and they're really trying to put together a playoff roster, and Ron Francis is committed to this because he feels that They cannot have another season like they did last season. It just cannot happen. If they come to that conclusion, then I think that signing Gaudreau is probably the least bad thing that they can do. Should they do it? No. But the window is pushed up a little bit with Shane Wright. 
maybe they feel they can kind of thread the needle a little bit, that they can be competitive, that Wright and Beneers can be good enough in Goudreau's window where he's still good enough that maybe it can work. Uh, and honestly, it's we'll get to these names later, but it's better than signing some of these alternatives. Say you're going to sign Burakovsky and Klingberg because you feel you need to make the playoffs. I'd rather you sign Goudreau than do that. It might be mm. the least bad option they have if they're going to be aggressive. That's my only case to do it. Yeah, I, I think you're you're probably right. I think as we look at other options for a top six forward, I think I might lean more towards the choosing one of the aging guys, the already aging guys with shorter term. I think that might be their better option. But I agree in the sense of if you're going for it, you you better go all out because the bottom line is since Forsberg re-signed with Nashville, Goudreau is the only true like lineup-changing superstar left. Burakovsky was successful in the best possible environment. He had tons of lineup and matchup protection. He had amazing players he could play with. Like the stars were perfectly aligned for Burakovsky. Wherever he goes in free in free agency, he is not going to repeat the performance. Even if you give him more playing time, I refuse to believe that Andre Burakovsky is going to be this like 35 or 30 goal scorer in your lineup, wherever he's going, unless he's, you know, going somewhere, he's going to go play with Crosby or something. I don't know. But like, that's kind of what it would take for him to be successful. I feel like Johnny Gaudreau can play with anybody. Um, obviously it'll affect his production. We know, you know, look in his past, he has had some down years, um, but that was also, I think coaching played some roles in that and overall franchise weirdness in Calgary, I think <laughs> contributed overall. But I, I do feel like, yes, if you're going for it, he's the only option and you, you go all in. If you're going for it, you have to go all in and you, and you kind of bet the farm on him. Yep. Agreed. So that's kind of where we're at with Gaudreau. Would rather they not do it, but if you're going to go for it, that's the option you should take. Now, you just mentioned him, so I guess we'll go straight uh, to him next. Andre Burakovsky. Uh, he's another option to add some scoring. You mentioned you do not like him as much as Gaudreau. He's definitely not on that level. What do you think? Yes or no for Andre Burakovsky? No, I, I want to completely stay away from him. Yes. Like I, I, just, I don't think that performance is repeatable. Like I just said, like I, he's going to cost way too much for what he's going to be able to deliver, especially in a lineup like Seattle's. Yeah, there are two players in this free agent class that worry me the most as far as I think the Kraken just might sign them and they definitely should not. Andre Burakovsky is one of those two. I think he's going to get term. He's going to get over six million, maybe over six and a half on a on a five, six plus year term. And uh, I, I do not think the Kraken should do that. It would be a big mistake. Uh, he was very successful with all these great players around him in Colorado, like you mentioned. Uh, and even some of the underlying numbers might show you, okay, there's some room for improvement. He didn't really get power play time. He was playing third line minutes. Uh, but I think the talent around him uh, more than made up for that. And mm -hmm. also you have to look at the, the entire game with him. Yes, he can score, but defensively, not much to write home about to the point where he was a healthy scratch for the Avs during the playoffs. I mean, that should tell you a lot. Uh, you're not, most teams aren't going to give, you know, six plus years of term to someone who's a healthy scratch throughout a playoff run. Uh, it's, it's just a, a trap. I think it's a mistake waiting to happen. Uh, I hope the Kraken do not sign Burakovsky. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. All right. So moving on, let's go to Burakovsky's teammate in Colorado, Nazem Kadri. 
Now, he's someone that was rumored to be going potentially to the Kraken. They were one of the two teams uh, that I think that Elliot Friedman said that, you know, could sign the check for Kadri. What was it rumored? It was eight, eight to 10 mil uh, yeah. over probably a seven year term. Because I think he has the leverage to command a seven-year term, given the last season that he had, given how desperate teams are for centers. Um, do you think, first of all, do you think the Kraken are still interested in Nazem Kadri after drafting Shane Wright? No, I, I think the Shane Wright draft, you know, getting him in the draft, there's there's no reason to really be looking at centers with seven-year terms left if you're the Kraken, because you already know who your one-two is going to be. And if you're if you're looking for a more experienced option to have around long term, you would you would extend Yanni Gord when the time comes. So I, I don't know that Kadri is realistic at all for the Kraken at this point. Right. And I'm, I'm glad for that. Uh, that might be one of the best uh, unintentional consequences of Shane Wright being drafted to Seattle is I don't think they're going to be on the market for Nazem Kadri anymore. And I think that contract probably is going to be the biggest mistake for whoever signs it of, of all the free agents this year. Certainly if he gets that kind of number eight and a half to 10 million over seven years for a player who'll be 32 by the time the puck drops next season uh, yeah. and who had a major statistical outlier season. Um, I, I forget the exact numbers, but there was a, a tweet from Jay fresh uh, hockey who talked about that. And he's like, just points per points per game or sorry, it's like, uh, yeah, points per 82 game season for Nazem Kadri over the course of his career. And it was just like, you know, 50, 50, 60, 50, 50, a hundred. <laughs> uh, this season is a major outlier. Uh, so good thing the Kraken are staying away there. Now let's move on to another center. Uh, this one a little bit older. And I'm interested to ask you about him because uh, it sounds like he is going to market. That is the news today. And maybe as a shorter term fit, could it work? Could you bump someone out to wing? I don't know. Evgeny Malkin. Yeah. So all along I was like, nah, he's going to resign in Pittsburgh. But yeah, it's sounding like he might not. And for a long time I was like, eh, it doesn't make sense for the Kraken. But as I was looking at things really in the last like 24, 48 hours, really in the car ride thinking about this, I kind of really came around to the idea of, yeah, I think the Kraken should look at bringing in Evgeny Malkin. And I would, I would do it. I would see if you could limit his term by paying him more. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that that would be a good potential option for the Kraken. You have the cap space, like I said. You, you, you got tons of cap space. You got kind of few-ish roster spots to work around. I'd go ahead and, and and do it for a guy that, you know, you talk about bumping someone to wing. If he's okay playing wing, there's your, there's, you know, that solves your left wing problem. You it know does. What I mean? You just walk, walk in out there. And... um the other thing is I would go ahead and give him a little extra money because I'd be signing him as a player coach. And Evgeny Malkin would be the new power play coach of the Seattle Kraken. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee the power play would, would jump. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, but, but yeah, I think he, he solves a couple things. He brings kind of a, a different angle on the veteran leadership, you know, aspect side of things to the Kraken. I think now that he's older, I think the idea of playing on the wing would not be as like disrespectful sounding to him. But if you ever need him to, you have a good center there. His scoring has not really dropped off, despite the injuries and maybe the limited time that he's had around. He scored 20 goals, 42 points in 41 games last year. He's scoring just fine. Like I said, he's a beast on the power play. 
Like he's a guy who has really adjusted his game as he's gotten older, as he's experienced injuries, as he's slowed down. And I think he just he brings a lot to the table, both on and off the ice that the Kraken could really benefit from. Yeah, I think he would be a great fit, like you said, on and off the ice. Term is the key for me with Malkin. And and I think you would agree. What is the maximum term you would go? Four. You would go four. Yeah, I would I would do everything in my power to keep it at three because mm-hmm. I don't think he's talking to you for less than three. Right. Uh, no matter how much money it is. I just don't think he cares. Um, uh, but I, I would, if it, if it's, if four is what it took, I would assume that, Hey, you know what? Given this guy's injury history, that fourth year is going to be an LTIR year. Right. I mean, I, I suppose you could, you could bank on that and, and hope for that. Uh, it is a little risky there, especially with the 35 plus contract. If you structure it that way, um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, of course, he'll be 36 by the time next season starts. Four-year deal could be pretty risky, and you're you're risking eating into those years where you have Shane Wright and Matty Beniers on those big contracts. I would not go over three, but if you can keep it to three, I, I think he could be a good fit. Yeah, I, I would certainly, like, I would be open to exploring something where, yeah, the money is kind of egregious if you kept it to three. Because, yeah. you know, you got, you got Shane Wright on an ELC for three years, Maddie for another two. Like, you can survive that one last year with Maddie getting paid and everything. And and if if to keep it at three, got to jump to nine, go ahead and jump to nine. What do you care? You know what I mean? Like, you've got the cap space if you're the Kraken. Yeah, all it does is, is limit you from, I think, being a little more aggressive next offseason. And that's why I would worry about it. I don't know. The Kraken have the Kraken have shown us one thing. Ron Francis has shown us one thing in his tenure as the Kraken, a general manager. He can find these depth pieces that are going to be okay. They're not really going to produce offensively, but you know what? They're not going to be disastrous defensively, and you can just fill out your bottom six with endless amounts of these guys on cheap under $1 million deals. So as the cap can, starts to go up again after this season, or as we assume after this season, as the cap continues to go up, I think, you know, the bigger contracts, you're going to start having to worry about less and less with the Kraken. As I was talking about last time in the in the pre-draft uh, pod we did, a lot of these contracts, you know, the, the kind of seemingly core guys now, their contracts are gone after, you know, two years from now. So I, I think things would open up as your windows and expectations around Maddie and Shane Wright are going to work. I, I think all that stuff opens up anyway for you. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely some some juggling they'd have to do as far as managing the years and who's being paid what when. Uh, but as we've seen, uh, Malkin could be an intriguing option for the Kraken. So I, I'm on this page and it's just kind of sorted by points per games, you know, points per games played. Uh, next on the list is Evander Kane. Can we just write this off immediately? Yeah, no, no, no. Okay, not doing that. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, let's see, we've already covered Burakovsky. This is an interesting one. David Perron. Because uh, I thought that Perron, it was a sure thing that he was going to re-sign with the Blues. I thought this would have been done by now. But according to reports today, it sounds like he's going to test the market and see what's out there. Do you think yeah, that could be it, a fit it, for Seattle? Yeah, I think I think David Perron's kind of the, the kind of guy that like every team should have. And I've felt that way about this guy like going back forever like his Edmonton days you know a decade ago about now like I just I've always loved this guy I think his skill set is perfect in the sense that he's just he kind of scores he has 
you know, this ability to score clutch goals for you. He'll contribute on your power play. He's going to be responsible enough, like <laughs> enough um, around it. But I, I just think he's he's such a big moment player. And the Kraken could have really used that a lot last year as like a guy that in the clutch on a power play late in a game could break a tie or, or tie a game up for them. Like, I, I just feel like he, he'd bring a lot to them, and he'd bring a lot of, you know, on-ice leadership, too, I feel like. Like, this is a guy who's never going to be a captain of a team, but you can just tell that he instills confidence in the guys around him. Absolutely. He's been great in the Blues locker room for a long time. I think he was a big part of that Golden Knights expansion team and, and why they did so well, and, and from a leadership standpoint, too. I still find it hard to believe that he would go anywhere besides St. Louis. I think they'll try and free up the cap space to bring him back. He's never signed a contract with another team uh, besides the Blues. So I still find it hard to think that he's going to move. But if he was willing to talk to the Kraken, if he was willing to go to Seattle, I think he would be a fantastic fit. Uh, would absolutely be on my wish list, but uh, just don't think it's in the cards. Of course, and he'd be another one. He's He's 34 if you could keep the term manageable, you know, that that's what you would need to do. And I think with some of these older guys, like you mentioned, maybe there's a chance of keeping the term manageable. You'd hope so, but I certainly wouldn't go more than three years on him. Right now. And keep in mind, part of the pitch for these guys is the idea of coming in and playing with Beneers and Shane Wright and understanding that they are going to blossom and turn into, you know, they're going to make this team a Stanley cup competitor in you know, let's let's be real. Three years is probably the timeline. Mm-hmm. So I do think that's where, if you're talking to any of these older guys like a Perron, he's going to want four years because in his mind, that's going to give him two good competitive years at the end, and then in the interim, he can help be around for that growing process. And I feel like any of these older players are going to kind of want that four-year term just to give them maybe two good shots at a Stanley Cup with the team instead of just one on the back end. Agreed. And I think that's kind of where we're hitting the snag with some of these guys, especially some of the older guys, is that they're going to want one more year of term than most teams will be willing to offer. But all it takes is one team to give them that and they can sign for it. And so that's where I think I would kind of back off on most of these free agents, whether it's Malkin wanting a fourth year, Perron wanting a fourth year, where I just I wouldn't do it. And I kind of hope that Ron Francis holds the line on that. It's better to just say no, walk away and see what else you can do uh, than to sign for that extra year and potentially have that anchor contract as uh, as Shane Wright, as Matty Beneers are right in their competitive window. Well, let me ask you a question on Perron. What do you think that contract's going to look like? Like, what do you think his AAV will be? I think it's going to be, uh, well, I think it'll be four years. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I think it's going to be, let's see, what's his current is is four. He's coming off four. I think it, I think it might be a raise. I think, I think 4.5. I think some team will do 4.5. Yeah. Right. But that's very different than me saying, you know, nine for Malkin. Well, actually right? 4.5 like, is with St. Louis. I think, I think if he was hitting the open market, I think it'll do 5.5. Some team will do that. I don't think he's going to do 5.5. Somebody might offer him 5.5, but it would be like New Jersey, and he'd say no. (laughs) That's true. It depends how important it is, the money versus the winning. Oh, he's always chosen, though, I think, a a good fit team-wise, though, uh, over the money, over his career. So I think some team would offer him that, but but maybe he he wouldn't take it. That's a good point. I I think, Max, you're talking five. I think four and a half is pretty you know, reasonable. If he wants to go to your team, he'll do it for four and a half. 
I don't see a four and a half million dollar cap hit really being an albatross around your neck. You no, know, but moving. as we've seen with Alex Wenberg, it, it can still hinder you in certain ways. Yeah. If you're paying that for, for, you know, a guy who's a fourth liner at that point in his career. All right. So yeah. moving on, uh, we've got, uh, let's, let's we're, just, uh, uh-huh. we're running out of uh top six potential guys here. I know we're already kind of running out. There are not a lot of them. Uh, I mean, who, who else do you see on this list still that we want to talk about? There's a couple guys. There's three, there's three guys really that I think are, should be left in this conversation. And that's Andre Pilat, Nino Niederreiter and Ricard Raquel. Okay. So and let's, so, who are we starting with? Yeah. Uh, well, let's go ahead and start with Pilat. So obviously he's a fantastic guy, just like Perron. This is a big moment goal scorer. Like he, you can count on him in the big games. We've seen him do it with Tampa now many years in a row. Like that's just who this guy is. But again, similar to Perron and all those other guys, you're talking about a more aging player. Now the difference being he is slightly younger, so he's going to want more term. And that's why I think the Kraken should stay away. Because if you're him, I would be asking for seven. I don't, mm-hmm. I, and someone might be willing to give him seven. I think he's probably going to sign a six year deal somewhere. But even still, you're talking about him being 37, 38 by the time that's, you know, ending. Right. And that's, that's pretty old at that time. If I were him, I'd go for as much term as possible. If you're leaving Tampa, because that's the thing with his situation. If you're going to take any kind of a discount in money or term, it's because you're staying with the Lightning. Uh, and, and I think he, if he's going to leave, he's going to go after money in term and probably more than the Kraken would want to give. If you can limit the deal to, th- I mean, if, Evolving Wild's projection is, is 5.6 million times three years. I think that's pretty optimistic term-wise. If you could sign that, I would do it. I, I think that's yeah. a good piece there at a good price, but I, I just don't think he's going to sign for that. I think he's going to get more term. If it's me, I put a hard limit at three years on the term. Uh, and I also just think about he's done very well. He was fantastic in the playoffs again this year, but he's got a lot of wear on him. He's played a lot of games and a lot of playoff games over the past three years. Uh, that can be really tough on a player's body, and it wouldn't surprise me to see him start to have some injury problems now. Um, yeah. it, that, that would worry me. Yeah, the other thing is, and this is one thing I've always found interesting about him, is Talk about a big moment guy. He basically just waits for the big moments. Like this is a guy who has has won 20 goal season in his entire career. And that came back in 2013-14. Okay. So like he had 18 goals this year. A couple years ago, he had 17 in the regular season. But both those years, he had 11 in the playoffs. Like this is a playoff guy. I don't know that the Kraken should be bringing him in for these playoff performances with when even with him in the lineup, I don't really think they're going to be a playoff team. You know what I mean? At least not year one. Right. They're the guys who get you there and the guys who get you through. Pilat is one of those guys who gets you through. Uh, and I don't know that that's the right fit for the Kraken uh, at this point. I think they still need some help getting there. Yes, exactly. So let's kind of go from that end of the spectrum to the other with a guy like Nito Niederreiter, who is, you know, been, as Carolina has gotten better, he's starting to put up, you know, really good seasons there again. He's kind of coming back after, you know, really 
he hasn't posted a, a season like this since he was back with the Wild in like 2016, 2017. So, but again, playoffs have not really been his thing with Carolina. Just five points in 14 games this last, you know, postseason run for them. And I know kind of Carolina as a whole has underperformed in the playoffs, but he's been one of those guys helping them do that. I, I've never really seen it with Nieder Niederreiter. Like, I know he has a lot of fans, but. I've never really seen it, and just for that reason alone, I would you know kind of stay away. Yeah, I would too. I again, like you said, the opposite of Pilate. He's one of the guys that gets you there, not one of the guys who gets you through. And yes, he scored twenty four goals last season. It's his second straight twenty goal year. He got twenty in just the shortened fifty six season, the season before. So he can put up goals. He's another one of those guys that I'm worried. You know, maybe the Kraken will sign. Will will give too much term, especially. Carolina connection. Uh, so, so it worries me a little bit there. Um, and, and I could see maybe a, a Jaden Schwartz type of deal almost since he's younger. Um, you know, he'll be 30 by the time next season starts. So I think he will probably be able to command a five year term or so. And I just don't think the Kraken should, uh, should make that kind of commitment at this point to a winger who, you know, they're not really sure about. Uh, Evolving Wild projects the contract as 5.7 times seven years, uh, which I certainly would not do. No. So I, I think we can back off of that one. Yeah. And so then the last guy I wanted, and this kind of kills me because he's part of that special group of people to only play for the aquatic bird teams. Mm-hmm. AKA my previous two favorite teams, the, uh, the the Ducks and the Penguins, and that's Ricard Raquel, who started to you know really drop off those last couple of years in Anaheim. But you know it could be argued that the whole team was, and I think that for him and like guys like Campus Lindholm, it was they did not like that kind of the the culture. It kind of dr- dragged them down a little bit as the culture was shifting into rebuild mode. And I think that they they were never guys to get on board with that idea. And I think that's that's partly why their play dropped off. But when you look at Raquel in his prime, when he had, you know, matchup protections and things like that, and he was playing still with really good players, this was a guy that you were going to look at and you were going to say, okay, might not put up a ton of points, but that is, that is a 30-goal scorer in the league. And he was a guy who could contribute in the playoffs uh, in a lot of different ways for you. And he brings a lot of lineup versatility. He can basically play all th- three forward positions and he can help out on the PK if you need him to be be good on the power play. I think he'd be someone, it'd be really interested to see if the Kraken look to bring someone like that in, especially because I don't think he's going to cost that much. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. If you look at the contract projection, it's 6.2 mil times seven years. I don't think he's going to cost that much. No. And maybe not in that kind of term. I mean, that, that like, projection is kind of baffling to me, honestly, um, yeah. given his performance. The thing yeah. with Raquel to me is he, he almost reminds me of another longtime duck, John Gibson, where, yes, Raquel was a legit 30 goal scorer in the NHL. But, you know, the last time he was that 2018, mm-hmm. we're talking four years ago. He's a long time removed from that. And I just haven't seen it uh, for, for so long that I, I don't know that you could make that kind of commitment. Uh, just hoping that he might return to that level. Yeah, I like I said, I think Gibson, Lindholm, Raquel, like they their their play dropped off when that team dropped off. Like when everything around them evaporated into thin air, or or like 
basically what happened to Ryan Getzloff's hair happened to the rest of that lineup, right? Like it was just <laughs> gone, completely gone, no sign or trace of it left, okay? And, and it affected all of them. And I refuse to believe that all three of those guys decided, hey, we all just turned 20, 26, 27. Let's all get really, really bad together. You know what I mean? Like, I refuse to believe that that was the case for any of those three guys. They go from, you know, Lindholm being this guy that was underappreciated and should be getting Norris potential, you know, votes and stuff, and Gibson as, like, a perennial borderline Vesna guy, and Raquel as this guy of, hey, you know what, he should probably be a first-line center somewhere. Like, I feel like with all three of those guys, this narrative has been, oh, they just dropped off their bad now. But it's like, no, the situation around them was, like, horrible. And I think that that affected them. I think now that Lindholm's in Boston, we'll start seeing something different. I think had Raquel been healthy for the playoffs this year in Pittsburgh, we would have seen a lot different because he was just starting to gel with Crosby. And so I, I think you, I think this is the time to take advantage of players in that situation where you can leverage his poor recent performance to get him in at a decent cap hit. I think you could, if you're willing to give him term, you could probably get him at four and a half. You can't tell me he wouldn't be at least valuable to you as a third-line center later on at $4.5 million. Yeah, it's certainly possible. And, and when you look at uh, his play with the Penguins, it's a small sample size, 19 games. But he was yeah. scoring at a 56-point pace. And, and that would right. be kind of right up there with his 33-goal seasons. It's definitely a gamble and, and a bigger one than I would make. Um, but I would understand doing that. And this, these are the kind of signings that maybe you want to make they kind of straddle the line between going for it and being patient, right? Where you look for these upside guys that maybe can provide good value for you. The track record's not good, but if you feel like you can find the outlier, it might make sense. And this is one of those situations where there's at least a good case to be made why you found the outlier. You know, you talk about with the Ducks that he just kind of, <laughs> you know, stopped being as motivated, wasn't the good, best situation that would make sense. So I probably wouldn't make that bet, but I, I respect your position that, that maybe you would. All right. Sounds good. Now, anybody else you think fits this top six billing that you want to talk about? Uh, probably not. I mean, uh, Claude Giroux, but, but he, I don't think he's going to come to the crack and he's staying out East somewhere. Um, yeah, looking at the names, I, I I don't think so. These other guys just kind of fall into the top nine role. And I think there's some guys we should talk about uh, from a top nine perspective, yeah. certainly. Um, so so let's move into those guys. Real quick. Real quick yeah. I'm just going to one last time say it. Patrick Liney. Oh, yeah. On the on the trade market, he's an RFA. Yeah, he's not mm -hmm. an unrestricted free agent they could sign, but it's still one of those trades they could make. They they passed on Fiala. They passed on to Brinkett. Patrick Line is still potentially there. And, and I would support that. He's a he's a different breed. I think I think if there's a trade to be made now, you could you I would do it. Um, yeah, but it also feels like maybe things are finally working out for that guy somewhere in Columbus. So I don't know, but I just I want to put it out into the universe in hopes that maybe it comes true. <laughs> Fair enough. The only thing I worry about that is, is that the Columbus, the ask will be next year's first round pick. And I certainly wouldn't do that. No, probably not. All right. What if it was two protected. Top what? Top two protected. Oh, uh, I don't, 
No, because it, it's because then it could still be you know fifth or sixth overall. I, w- I wouldn't do t- I'd do top ten protected. I wouldn't do you top two. Patrick Liney in his prime at five or six overall in next year's class, and, and with the guy that's going to be the right age to gel with the core that you know that you're drafting in Wright and Beniers. No, I wouldn't. Let us know down in the comments. Yeah, <laughs> this is a good one. Yeah, let us know. Uh, do you agree with Dilla? Do you agree with me? Would you do the line A trade there? Top two protected first round pick. All right. So getting into some of these top nine forwards, because uh, that's this is where you start getting into those bets like we talked about with Raquel too, where maybe you're trying to find someone mm-hmm. who, who actually can provide good value uh, in the top nine. And I'm going to start with uh, a guy who's kind of near the top of this list when we look at points per game, and that's Mason Marchment. And I think he's one of the more interesting UFAs on the market this year. He's only 27, so it's the youngest possible year to be a UFA. Put up 47 points in 54 games with the Panthers last season. Great scoring numbers. He was only playing third-line minutes, uh, but that Panthers team did so well offensively. I mean, he was a plus 29. Uh, you know, there, it's fair to question whether he was driving a lot of that offense. What do you think of Mason Marchment? Also, he's only playing 14 minutes a game. So so what do you think of Mason Marchment? Yeah, that one has more of the opposite. Like, that's that's like a you're you're buying high on someone rather than buying low on someone like Raquel. Like, this this feels very much the opposite. Uh, <laughs> you're, I don't know. I'm... I wish that there was more than just last year. You know what I right. mean? But I think I, a lot of teams feel that way. And I mean, here's here's the evolving wild contract projection. Two and a half million times three years. I don't think he signs for that little. Like someone's going to believe in him for more than that. Maybe. I If you can get him, I mean, how high would you go? Times three years. Because I don't think he's going to get a longer than three year term given how little he's proven himself. Right. I... I don't know, three and a half. I was thinking three and a half, but he's one of the guys where I'm thinking again, he kind of straddles the line between, are you going for it? He can help you now, uh, but also he can, he can potentially help you in the future. If this is what he is, or this is closer to what he is, uh, he could, he could be one of those outliers. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I just think I, I'd rather take other bets on some of these guys that we're talking about and, or, you know, as we as we transition to talk about a top nine player instead of a top six guy, like I feel like he fits the mold of a top six guy a lot better than he does a top nine guy. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. It's just kind of how how he plays, where you need to de- deploy him, and um, but if if he fits that mold, again, it's it's a bet, but it's it's a shorter term bet than I think some of these other guys that you would have to take. And and what I'm really looking at now as I look at this list is just term. I want as little term as possible. I want as much flexibility in three years as I can possibly get as I really decide, okay, what pieces do you need around this core of Matty Beniers and Shane Wright? I want to be able to go out and get those guys. Uh, and especially with my prospect pool, maybe be able to trade prospects uh, and picks for players, kind of like what the Kings did with Fiala as they're getting ready to go and put their foot on the gas. I want to be in position to do that and not have to worry about contracts longer than three years. Yeah, and you know, and there's definitely the argument to be made for that in for lots of reasons, and I agree with you in general on the on the shorter term. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if, if you can get him to do that, similar to 
finding a buy low candidate who just wants to maybe sign a two year deal to show that, hey, in a new situation, I can turn it around and do better. Um, I'm all for those deals. Like I said, I just I worry because that Florida team last year was the like, I don't know, that's up there top five all time as far as like lineup protections and matchup you know, goodness that he was receiving. So I, I yeah. just have a little bit of worry because of it. No, I, and I believe you. I, I know that. I feel, you know, feel like I could put up maybe 10 points on that Florida team last year just by virtue of being in the right places. Um, you sign him, he's probably, I mean, he's he might be, end up on your first line here with Seattle. It's true. You know what, looking at how the roster lines up. So I, I just I just worry about that. It's not the gamble I would take. You know, we're just on opposite sides on that one, I think. Yep. All right. So moving on to to some of these, um, I think these guys fall pretty squarely into what I would call the middle class of free agent forwards. And, and I've talked about that, too, in the past and in that video with Nachushkin and Burakovsky. Uh, these guys who are going to sign you know, maybe five-year term times five mil or something like that, uh, that have a really, really bad track record. So we'll kind of go a little quicker because there's more of them. Um, and I think it's probably going to be no on a lot of them. But let's let's start with a couple of Rangers, Andrew Kopp and Ryan Strom. Thoughts on those guys? Ryan Strom's really good. I don't think he fits at all with what the Kraken need now because they yep. don't really need another center. And uh, I just don't think he lines up timeline for them. And I think he's going to want a lot more money. Yeah, agreed. I, I think I think Strom no longer makes sense. Maybe before Shane Wright, if you're going for it, he's one of those guys. Contract projection also, 7.2 mil times seven years. Uh, stay far away from that. Uh, Andrew Kopp, I think on the ice, fits a little bit more, is, is kind of one of those good you know depth, uh, depth scoring pieces. Uh, his projection's 5.8 times four years. But you, you want to be getting those guys on their... ELCs or second contracts. That's where they provide value for you. Once they hit UFA status, I, I think it's time to stay away. Hey, or, you know, there's going to be lots of guys that are going to be similar to COPS performance and value that you could find for a lot less. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's kind of confusing is if the Kraken are not, you know, going to be really competitive this year because they don't have a Johnny Goudreau on their team, I don't even know why he, Ron Francis would be in the market for a top nine guy. Like those right. are the kinds of pieces you start adding as you're trying to get over the, you know, second round hump in the playoffs. Not mm -hmm. like, hey, we, you know, what we really need is like a third line winger to score just enough that we can make the playoffs. Like they're not really in that position. So I don't know. I feel like still Shane Wright might really just be the top nine addition that the Greg can have right. this year. And, and I could definitely see that. But also if they strike out on Gaudreau, I think Francis is going to feel some pressure to sign somebody. And maybe it won't even be one of those guys in the top six. It might be one of these guys like a um, maybe not Strom or Cop because we, we went over the fit wasn't there. Um, but, uh, you know, let's see. We, we talked actually we talked Trocek on some earlier podcasts. I don't think he's really a fit for the Kraken anymore. No, I don't think he's going to be a fit for the Kraken. No centers can be around really anymore. But there is someone, RJ, my boy. Who is it? Vladislav Nemestikov. Let's go. Okay, okay. See, I had to scroll down a little bit further to get to him. Um, but you know what? That one is actually one that could make sense. Uh, Nemestikov is, is someone who could be maybe a little bit cheaper. These are the kind of value signings I'm talking about. Y you scroll past, uh, you know, the names that are probably going to get uh, some more money. You know, the the Stroms, the the Cops, the the Trocheks, the Mikheyevs of the, the Niederreiters of the world. 
and and you get to someone like a Vladislav Nemestnikov who somehow just gets lost on whatever team has him. It feels like, um, you know, if, if you're not paying attention, you'd be surprised he's in the NHL. But he was actually pretty productive last season. Yeah, he was. And he really helped Dallas, like in, in all the stuff they were trying to do late last year and, and into the playoffs. He's not going to be a guy who's going to score a bunch, but really... As, as we get away from the Ryan Stroms of this top nine conversation, none of these guys are going to score a bunch for you. So you have to start looking at the other things they're going to bring. And Nemestikov consistently, going all the way back to his time in Tampa, has been just, he's one of the hardest working guys out there anytime he's on the ice. And I feel like he'd really fit in well with this Kraken culture that, you know, it's it's very obvious Matty Berniers is bringing in, that Ron Francis is trying to cultivate at the top. And, and I just feel like he's one of those guys that would... He's got kind of that similar attitude, and uh, I, I think those are the kinds of guys that I would target for the for the top nine role if mm-hmm. I was the crap. And if you sign them long term, if you don't sign them long term, like they are an addition, and they will make your team a little bit more competitive and exciting to watch. Yeah. Now, before we move on to the defensemen, I want to cover two more top nine guys that have been talked about. Uh, quite a bit. And and one of them, uh, Penguin, I feel like you'd know him well. Evan Rodriguez. What do you think? Yeah, so I was just talking on Discord with somebody about Evan Rodriguez last night, actually. Um, Evan Rodriguez, similar guy to Nemestikov. This is a hardworking guy. He's probably got more scoring upside than Nemestikov. I'd argue he actually he definitely does, we could probably say. But I don't know that he really is going to transform this team. He's not going to come in and score a bunch. I know a lot of people were looking at last year's performance for him. He got up to 19 goals. He had seven power play goals. But when I dug into the numbers, it it does not look like that's going to be consistent from him. He shot a ton on the power play last year, which is good and something the Kraken need. Uh, Nobody seemed willing to do it much on the power play last year. But he shot at 16% on the power play, which is well above his (laughs) his, career average for a shooting percentage which hovers, I believe, just below 10%. And so I feel like that kind of artificially inflated both his power play goal numbers and his regular goal numbers. If he's really more of a 15-goal guy with ideal situations, I mean, he was protected in Pittsburgh. He was utilized in the best possible way in Pittsburgh in a way that the Kraken could not repeat. Because, again, you're talking about somebody who was like a, you know, seeing third-line, second-line minutes there that might be forced into a higher role with the Kraken he's just not going to be able to deliver on that expectation. Right. Now, the contract projection is 3 million times 3 years. Would you do that? Yeah, I think so. I think for all these guys I would I would do around in there. Okay. Um, just because that's, you know, it's an appropriate term for the Kraken's timetable and like we said, really until the Kraken gets super serious, the the money almost doesn't matter. Right. And and I think you could basically be allowed one of those contracts for someone who you like, who you're trying to bet on, essentially. Um, I do want to mention uh, another name because uh, I've, I've seen people talk about him in the Discord. Ilya Mikheyev. What do you think there? I really like him. Again, though, it's super responsible. He's great defensively, PK, all that kind of stuff. And it's and it's like I love all these players. I want the Kraken to sign all these players, him, Rodriguez, Nemestikov. I love them. I really, really do. It's just I worry about the Kraken loading up on all these, like, you know, third-line quality guys that are now having to play second-line quality minutes mm-hmm. and contribute on the power play. And I don't see a team like that making the playoffs. 
And I don't yep. know that you'd have enough scoring firepower making the playoffs. So it's it's almost like I'd rather with all of these guys, I'd rather, as I say, the money doesn't matter. I'd rather that money just go all into a gigantic Gaudreau contract just because I feel like that would actually make more of a dent in the standings for the Kraken. Agreed. And, and looking at someone like Mikheyev, too, I believe the contract projection is five mil times six years. Um, I, playing in Toronto, I mean, that, that will help you if you hit free agent market. And, and for a guy... Who, who basically doubled his prior career shooting percentage uh, over this past season. I just, I see too many red flags as much as I really do like his game. I want him in my bottom six. I want him killing penalties for me. Uh, but I want him doing that at a more reasonable contract than, than mm-hmm. 5 million a year. Yeah, agreed. All right, last name of these forwards, because I have to bring it up, Phil Kessel. Do it. Yes, fill the thrill. Let's go. I said it last year. We should have traded for him at the deadline. Let's be real. Um, yeah, no. You, you, If you can bring in Phil Kessel, if he's willing to go to your team, you should have him because there are a few guys, even in his advanced age, we'll call it, because I just feel like that's a term he'd enjoy. Um, he's still one of these guys that we saw last year in Arizona. He just decide to take over a game and he can take over a game. He's just he's one of the most skilled hockey players to have ever played this game. And he'll never truly be appreciated for that just because of all the other things going on around him in his career. But I have been there in person when he's decided, hey, I'm not going to lose tonight. And he ensures that his team doesn't lose that night. And I just I love that aspect. So if you can get him to buy into what you're doing, I say go for it. I don't know that he's willing to buy into any team anymore. Like life in the NHL <laughs> yep. is really beating him down. I don't know that you could kind of resurrect that. But if you feel like you can have him around young guys like Maddie Beneers and Shane Wright, I say go for it. Congrats, Dylan. That was the correct answer. It is always yes to Phil Kessel if he will side with your team. Uh, so had to leave it on that one. Leave it on a yes. Be a little more positive. Okay, so we're man, we're already over the hour mark. We uh, need to get onto the defenseman here. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this is probably more of a need than top nine forward. We're talking puck-moving defenseman, preferably right-handed. We can, we can talk about that one if you want uh, in a little bit. But that's the need. The Kraken needs someone uh, who can step into that role. We With um, not qualifying Hayden Flurry, that's a defense roster spot that's open. Uh, you can mm-hmm. fill that kind of at any level, whether it's you know first pairing, second pairing, third pairing. Uh, but they also need someone who can run a power play. They need a power play quarterback. Uh, Mark Giordano was in that role uh, while he was with the Kraken last season. I think neither of us were really all that happy with with how that went. Uh, but you don't want Vince Dunn as your number one guy, I think, uh, as much as you'd like to give him some opportunity. You need someone else, certainly if you're going to be a playoff team, who can quarterback a power play. So looking at these free agent defensemen, there's one name that stands out above the rest. Far above the rest, I think, uh, as far as just talent wise. Right. And that's John Klingberg. So, yeah. What do we think of John Klingberg, Dylan? Well, you know, I've liked him for a very, very long time since his rookie season. I saw him play one game against the Kings and I said, "Okay, this guy's legit. That was a very (laughs) long time ago. Now it feels like I remember texting you about that. I love John Klingberg. I love everything that he can bring to you bring to a team he can do all those things you just talked about them needing he can do them i just think it's going to cost you so much money and so much term that i don't see it being worthwhile for the kraken to do 
Agreed. And and he, along with Burakovsky, is one of the two players that I really fear that the Kraken are going to sign because I could see them doing it. Because on the ice, at least in the short term, it'd be a very good fit. He's exactly what they need. He's a very good player. But I worry about how much money it's going to cost and what kind of term you have to give him. I'm pretty sure seven years. He's going to be able to command that. There are no other defensemen on the free agent market uh, that are anywhere near as good as he is. And he's going to take advantage of that, I think. Uh, there are going to be a lot of teams that are in that bidding war. And he, the price will get bid up well beyond what he's worth, I think. You're looking at seven years, you know, maybe maybe over seven or eight million a year, uh, which certainly for, for a contract that's going to take him, you know, into his late 30s is, is more than you'd want to do. Yeah, I mean, look at the, the defensive signings we've seen over the last couple of years. I mean, we talked about this last offseason. As we were looking around mm -hmm. the league and we're seeing the Darnell Nurse contract, the Seth Jones contract, the Zach Rowenski contract, right? Like the, the the market for defensemen has been reset. If you're bringing in John Klingberg to be your number one, he's pushing nine. Like the market mm -hmm. is not really for him. So I wouldn't be surprised I, I, to see it get that high. Yeah. So I just, I think that's going to be way too rich for the Kraken. Um, I, I think they're probably still going to be in on him. I just do. I'm getting that feeling. I think there's been way too much smoke for there not to be a little bit of fire there. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I think nine is probably the realistic number. And, and we'd all have to ask ourselves, are we are we down for that? Right. And I certainly am not, <laughs> certainly over any kind of longer term. Um, and, and you compare him too to the, the free agent signings on defense that were signed last year. And I just don't know that his name really belongs in the conversation with like a Dougie Hamilton or, or you know, Petrangelo at that time. He's kind of dropped off a bit. But you see how, like with Petrangelo, is the age is closer. You know, how quickly mm -hmm. a signing like that can drop off. I think, you know, Vegas probably already isn't even getting the value for him. Uh, so I, I think you could see a similar trajectory uh, given that he is – 29 right now uh will be 30 by the time next season starts so yeah i i would steer clear of john klingberg i think we both agree on that now a, would, uh -huh. we already saw his play drop off from where, where it has been like he yes. was passed on that dallas line you know lineup by haskinen who you know let's be real is like kind of next level and and just better than most guys anyway but Klingberg had fallen off. His play had fallen off in Dallas the last really two years, in my opinion. So yeah, I already I, think he made that turn. Right. And the metrics certainly show that when you look at, uh, you know, just about anything statistically, these last two years, a big drop off. There's reason to believe that maybe he can get his game back, but you're taking a big risk at that point. Hmm. All right. So beyond Klingberg. There is not a whole lot out there that fits that description. Uh, I'm just sorting here by by points because we want someone who can move the puck. Ben Sherrod is number two. Wow. Nick Letty, three. Anton Strallman, number four. Um, the, I, the guy we, we didn't realize was still in the NHL, what, four months ago. Yep. <laughs> it, this is who we're talking about now as you as you look at these defensemen. Uh, Justin Schultz, Nikita Zadorov, uh, not exactly known for his offense. Uh, yeah. And we'll get to the name at, at the seventh uh, spot here, P.K. Subban. Now, he's someone that's been mentioned a lot as maybe a lower-cost alternative. Given how weak the market is for this type of player, I think he might actually uh, be paid, you know, I, I think in the range of like $3 million a year uh, and, and can maybe get some term. What do you think of P.K. Subban? He's 33. 
not quite the defenseman he once was, um, but maybe he's still got something left in the tank. Should the Kraken do it? If you can convince him that his best days are behind him and that he needs to transition in what his expectations are for himself out on the ice, then yes, you should do it. But this is a guy who clearly still thinks he is playing at a level that he is no longer playing at and that his role on a team is no longer what it is. You know what I mean? Like if you can get him to buy into the fact that, hey, look, you're going you're gonna to be on one of our two power play units. You're going to run that, but it might not be the first one. And at best, you're going to be a second pairing guy. Can you get on board with that? And if he's finally gotten to the point where he's, he's going to say, yes, I can, then I say go for it all day. Take him at that price. Give him the four-year term. I don't think that's going to totally wreck you long-term or anything. But if he's if he's going to be pushing for bigger minutes or playing like he's still the superstar who can do all the things that he used to be able to do that we all see that he can't, then I don't know that you want that. Agreed. And, and I think it will take kind of an attitude change there. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable really with him above third pairing minutes at, at even strength, uh, just given, you know, what, what, especially when you dive into the more analytical measures have shown, I mean, he's just trying to do too much. And, and you see that also, I, I, you know, watching the sharks with Eric Carlson, since they acquired him, it's the same thing. He's a guy mm-hmm. who was a superstar, thinks he can still be a superstar. Uh, and, and unfortunately just is not at that level yet, but I think he can still be very productive for a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if he's willing to accept that role, it could make sense. Um, but I, I also worry about term, you know, being 33, you look at aging curves, you know, the numbers are not on your side there. And, uh, as you'll bring up later, I think that, um, you know, maybe there are some better options further down that you could get for cheaper that might be able to do what Subban can do. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, yeah, I, I watch him defend now and it's just, it's all just clutch the game grabbing mm-hmm. there's no stick work there's there's no using his body anymore unless he's slew footing someone which is another kind of problem that's another to concern deal with <laughs> yeah so it's just unfortunate i love the guy i think he'd be great for the community uh, massively be great for the media presence all that stuff he's a wonderful human being mm-hmm. but the player is not there anymore yep and i think it's definitely worth mentioning off the ice awesome fit anywhere he goes yeah great mm-hmm. person would be would be uh and for, for an expansion team trying to, you know, get more fan excitement to absolutely fits into that. Um, so I'm scrolling down this list and man, I'm just not seeing any names that really fit uh, for what the Kraken mm-hmm. are looking for until I stop here uh, at a certain player that you may have mentioned uh, in the last <laughs> podcast that you teased, I think, could be the answer to all the Kraken's problems. Uh, yes. So, Dylan, take it away. Why should the Kraken sign Colin Miller? Well, they should sign Colin Miller because he's not going to cost you that much. He's the perfect buy-low candidate with a history of being good when he's not playing for the Buffalo Sabres, which in my mind is a pretty like safe thing. You can reasonably assume someone will get good again if they leave the Buffalo Sabres. Like, I, I truly believe in that. If, if you were good before, you'll be good after. Um, but you can buy low because he was most recently with the Buffalo Sabres, but he's right-handed. I think, you know... Outside of Klingberg, there is no one out there that was going to reasonably challenge you, you know, for a top pairing role on your team. Um, but I think Colin Miller is good enough to potentially be on your second line. Uh, when you look at his analytics, including in Buffalo, like he managed to be an average-ish guy 
for the Buffalo Sabres, given everything going on around him there. But if you look at his time with Vegas before that, this was a really sneaky good player that was just kind of lost in everything in the in the bright Vegas lights, basically. You know what I mean? Like I, you look at any of his uh, advanced Chrome as I'm on this, my grandparents' Wi-Fi, the call almost drops. So I'm not going to read you specific numbers, but all the way down the lineup to the point where I'm looking at these numbers for like expected rebounds off of shots as a defenseman. <laughs> and he's like, you know, way up there, a S tier kind of guy back when he was with Vegas and stuff like he's brings all these sneaky, good things. He can move the puck. He can shoot from the blue line. He can, you know, I don't know that you'd want him necessarily on your power play, but if, if Vince Dunn is on the first unit and Carson Soucy's not really working on the second unit, you could give him a shot reasonably. Um, and I think you could buy low, you could lock him into a three or four year term at very little money, three and a half, four million, four, four point five at the absolute most. And know that you're going to have a rock solid second line guy that if you push him to the third, he's not going to be upset by that. And I, and I just think that that's very valuable to the Kraken, especially because let's be real, Riker Evans is going to be the puck moving defenseman <laughs> that they're going to bring in. I said it at the end of last season, I watched him you know, all through last season at the WHL, that dude is ready. He's going to play for this Kraken team, and he's going to be the guy over the course of the season taking over the power play. Just like with Shane Wright being the top nine guy coming in, realistically, Riker Evans is realistically this defenseman that um, Ron Francis wants, but I think Colin Miller is kind of the guy that the Kraken need to round out their bottom half of their defense and stabilize things. Right, now... You've made some really good points. It seems like he could be a good stopgap there. And having just watched Riker Evans in day one of the Kraken's development camp, I agree wholeheartedly with you. He is out on a mission to make the roster out of training camp. And you know what? I think he'll do it. Um, so he could be the puck moving defenseman. I think you still probably need a guy on the right side, someone to maybe compete with Will Borgen, uh, and, and can provide that. Maybe it'll be a little bit stopgap. So you don't have to throw Riker Evans right into the deep end of the pool right away. Give him a little time, uh, to kind of get his feet, uh, under him and, and, um, really get comfortable. My last question on Colin Miller though, can he stay healthy, Dylan? Um, yes, I, I don't think he can stay healthy. I think he's proven at this point that he cannot stay healthy at all. Um, but as long as he stays healthy long enough that one of Will Borgen or Riker Evans can be eased into the lineup and is ready to then take over for him, you're fine. That's all you need. You basically only need someone for 35 games to get the other two up to speed. And once they are, you know, go ahead and let him pass you by. But like I said, I feel like so many of the problems, like he's not going to be Jeremy Lauzon defensively for us. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's going to be solid. He'll he'll play okay in the defensive zone. He'll get the puck out of the zone. He can contribute on offense. Like a lot of just that stabilizing force on defense that they were missing as they were cycling through Hayden Fleury, as they were cycling through Kale Fleury, as they were cycling through Will Borgen at times. You know what I mean? Like all that stuff, he solidifies that enough that you can work with those two younger players and get them ready to, you know, hopefully be better players for you long-term and everything. And that's why I want them to, to bring him in. You know what? That makes sense to me. Okay. I, I am sold on Colin Miller. Uh, I think you delivered on the hype, Dylan. I mean, everyone can let us know in the comments and the replies uh, whether they agree, but, but you're right. I think Colin Miller uh, would be a good flyer for the Kraken to take. Now, looking at this list of defensemen, is there anyone else you want to talk about? 
because I just I'm not I'm not seeing it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing with Colin Miller is because he could pl- potentially play better, he's a good trade ship a year out from now too. Like you sign him for a reasonable deal, you'd be able to move him in the future once everybody's ready. And I don't feel that that potential is elsewhere in this market, and that's why I've zeroed in on him so much. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, and also a player like who plays the type of game that he does – if he's playing well, is always a valuable trade asset. Um, so if you can kind of rehabilitate the game there, uh, yeah, he's absolutely someone you could trade. And, and he's still he's still younger than 30 for the moment. So um, that could be good. Your approval then. Exactly. Yeah, I, I knew you'd, uh, you'd mention that. So uh, all good in my book until... Uh, until October 29th, where he turns 30. So uh, that's maybe that's all you need. Okay, moving on to goaltending, because unfortunately that is a need for the Kraken at this point, uh, with Chris Drieger looking like he'll miss a good chunk of next season. I, I'm Here's what I feel about the goalie market. Um, you're going to need someone who is essentially a disposable throwaway goalie, uh, someone who can just pick up a temporary spot, uh, and anyone who is good enough to have any kind of free agent leverage is not going to want to sign in a situation like that. Um, but anyone who, uh, you know, who's good enough to, to really pick up that role and maybe play 30 games and help you do a playoff spot, uh, you know, is probably also in that category as well. Do you see any names that work here, Dylan, that, that might thread the needle that, that maybe would find it appealing enough to go to Seattle uh, but also would not be, you know, kind of desperate enough that maybe they couldn't help. Can, can I plead the fifth here as the real <laughs> reason I left Southern California was the army of goaltenders outside my my house with pitchforks and torches? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I I will accept that for the time being just because I want you safe. I want you okay. I don't want the goalie army coming after you uh, just quite yet. Um, <laughs> so... Looking at the goalies, I'll, I'll, I'll start here. Um, obviously, the top tier, Kemper, Campbell, Samsonov are, are, are out of play. I feel like it's going to be someone in the Dustin Tokarski tier, really. Uh, I think that's kind of the name you might see. Maybe Yaro Halak. That's my best case scenario, is Yaroslav yeah. Halak. That maybe he wouldn't want to go too far away after just being in Vancouver last year, uh, that he might sign with the Kraken. That's, that's my best case. Maybe a David Riddick. Uh, wasn't all that thrilled by what I saw of him in Nashville, but he's at least someone with NHL experience. 886 save percentage last year. Um, would, would need to improve on that. I know. I don't like that. Um, looking at the guys, I'm just sorting by save percentage here. There are only uh, one, two, three, six goalies with a, a 900 save percentage last season or higher available in the ufa market um that's not very many and it's kemper who who is going to sign for big money elsewhere eric comrie who i think is is going to be a really good low-key backup somewhere else jack campbell another big money guy Braden holtby who is um looks like his career might be over uh yarrow halak who i just mentioned and the last one martin jones oh boy rj this is what we're left with you know what I never thought I'd say this. I think I would, I want Martin Jones. Like I'm with you. I think Halak is like the dream, mm-hmm. like, which is like insane to say, cause what is he now? Like he's gotta be like 37, right? He is 37. Yes. 
Okay, yeah. So, um, but I never thought I'd say it, but Martin Jones, I think he's reasonable to bring in because you know what? What have you and I seen from Martin Jones, RJ? We saw him on the Stanley Cup run where he was just big with good positioning in net and he got things done. Like there's, there's, he's the only guy with a reasonable chance of coming in, potentially starting 30 games and giving you like a 913 save percentage in those games. Okay. I hear what you're saying, but, but no, Martin Jones is not that player anymore. I'm sorry. I've, I've watched enough games of Martin Jones to tell you he is not that player anymore. And, and that maybe he could even give you a 900 save percentage season like he did with the Flyers uh, last year. But what he will do is allow goals that are so soft, just momentum killing goals. He might make some saves he has no business making, uh, but the, the soft goals, uh, they're, they're a problem. And, and it's just going to kill momentum for the crack. And we saw what some of those did early on in the season when it was Grubauer playing like that. Uh, you just can't afford to have another goalie come in and get beat clean as often as Martin Jones does. Uh, you need someone who at least will give the team, like make them feel like they have a chance in the game if they play well. Uh, and, and I just, it's, it's not good for the team around him. Um, I, I cannot... As someone who followed the Sharks for all those years, I cannot recommend Martin Jones. I just can't do it. I mean, basically, as, as we know, right, if you can elevate the puck, you're going to score on Martin Jones. Yes, yes. High, high glove side, you will score. High blocker side, probably. I don't know. G give me the Hamburglar, Andrew Hammond, over Martin Jones at this point. Really, really what we've come around to is probably what most NHL teams already know and what Ron Francis already knows, which is, you can you can have one expensive your starter goaltender, but really after that you need to make sure you have just a couple in your system that you're <laughs> developing and have ready to go because that's the only time you're going to reasonably find a backup that you feel like you can trust. Right, and, and we see that with some of the top teams. We see that with Colorado being able to turn to Franzos, you know, in the playoffs, someone they've had for a while. Um, you see it with the Blues, with you know Bennington and Huso winning, you know, winning the cup. It's it's something that, um, you know, and even Jake Allen, who was in their system when Bennington took over, you just need someone who's homegrown, who can take over. By virtue of being an expansion team, the Kraken don't have that yet. Uh, but I tell you, these names make Joey Decord look a lot better. They really do. All right. So we, this is a long podcast. I think we're at the hour and a half mark. Thank you, everyone who stayed with us at this point. One more thing I do want to cover. Because today was RFA Day, there are some players here who were restricted free agents uh, that were not qualified by their teams um, that uh, are now going to be unrestricted free agents, free to sign with anyone. I want to really quickly just cover some of these guys, see if there's anyone that might make sense for the crack. And because they're younger, uh, it, it might make more sense for what their window is. Uh, just real quick, Dylan Strome, what do you think? Uh, I like him a lot. I think he's finally kind of coming around as an NHL player. I just don't think he makes sense on the Kraken now that they have Shane Wright. Yep, he's a center. He's someone you might want to take a bet on if you if you draft a winger or a defenseman, uh, but I wouldn't go there. Okay, I have to mention this name. The Kraken killer, Rem Pitlick. I kind of want to see them bring him in. I would love that as a depth-free agent signing. I mean, we know he can score in the building, so why not? Yep, like hat trick automatically every time he's in Climate Pledge Arena. So I say go for it. That's sustainable, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got some names. Let's see. Danton Heinen, Dominic Kubelik, Andre Kasha, 
Maybe those fit into the, I don't know. I, I, I'd say probably like pass. The guys, or the top nine guys that we were talking about where it's like, yeah, they're, they can be good players and they can help you out, but like they're not going to fix anything for this team. No, they, no, they're not. Um, yeah, Evgeny Svechnikov. I think you just have enough of these guys. The more you scroll down, uh, you know, Adam Gaudet, you have enough of these players who already kind of do what these guys do in your system. Victor Mete, you, you a Victor Mete fan? Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so I, th I think we've covered all these guys. Just Rem Pitlick. Go out and get Rem Pitlick is what I'm trying to say. That's what that whole segment was about. Yes. He's the only one that with my eyeballs I've seen be very successful in Climate Pledge Arena. So I, I, I'm all for it. Now that's very important, of course. Um, so anyway, this has been our free agent recap. Uh, longer episode, but hey, there's a lot of free agents to cover. Hopefully we got to everyone you were hoping to hear about. Um, yeah, free agency starts on Wednesday. Uh, and it should be exciting, too, because there's no tampering window beforehand where teams can can talk to players. It's all going to kind of just develop organically once we hit Wednesday and teams can start talking to guys. Um, yeah, what... Okay, Dylan, last question. What is your one wish for the Kraken in this free agent period? I don't know. That... Uh, Nemestikov. Nemestikov? Okay, yep. that, that's your wish. I, that's what I want. Okay. For me, I'll go with don't sign anyone to a term longer than three years. I know that's unrealistic, but that's that's what I want. Basically my answer, too. All right. So there we go. That has been our free agency recap. Uh, not recap. Free agency preview. Uh, maybe I said that the first time. It's It's been a long episode. All right. That's our free agency preview. I uh, hope you all enjoyed it. Yeah, one more thing. Well, I was going to say, the, the cliffhanger, the Colin Miller... Cliffhanger worked really well last time. It so did. I, I feel like I'm going to try to do something similar, okay? And, All right. and that is for the, for the next episode of the Deep Dive, because in that we'll probably cover development camp and everything, is I think Matty Beniers is going to be the Seattle Kraken's captain. He's going to be named captain by the end of September. Wow. Okay, that is a bold prediction. And we will find out why you think that when we see you next time. Hi everyone, it's RJ. Before you go, be sure to check out our new Shane Wright merch that just dropped. We have two brand new designs, the right choice, and my personal favorite, three wrongs make a right, with the draft board and the three teams who passed on him in red. It's the perfect way to cheer on Shane at training camp and help support Emerald City Hockey while you do it. If you're watching this on YouTube, link to our store will be in the description below. If you're listening on a podcast app, you can find everything on our website, emeraldcityhockey.com store. Thanks for listening.